I'm Kyle. Okay, here's where y'all are so wrong because y'all are idiots. And I'm Drew with a U. As the boss of this podcast, I'm going to say... And I'm Handsome Drew. Oh, I was not listening. (laughs) That is very apparent to everyone on the podcast that you were not listening. And this is not... And this is not... And this is not... This is not the podcast you deserve. Welcome to episode 85 of Not the Podcast You Deserve. This episode, we're talking about Doctor Strange 2, Into the Multiverse of Madness. Before you press pause, if you haven't seen the movie yet, the first 15 to 20 minutes or so will be a spoiler-free review of the movie, and then we will let you know before we get into spoilers. So, by all means, stick around and listen. And guys, before we get started talking about the movie, which has been out for, I don't know, seven, eight days now as of recording, has a 74% tomato meter from the critics and an 87% audience view or audience score, which sounds about right. Uh, It also made darn near half a billion dollars on opening weekend. So uh, at least it beat out Morbius. Uh, Something uh, needed to beat Morbius, so I'm glad Doctor Strange 2 came out and was able to beat Morbius. Um, But this is a... uh, This is a Doctor Strange movie directed by uh, Sam Raimi. The first one was directed by Scott Derrickson. Mm. And he left the project pretty early on uh, due to quote-unquote creative differences uh, with Marvel about the direction this movie was taking. Um, And that made me really worried at first. You know, whenever a director leaves a project, Mm -hmm. um, especially when it's a sequel, like you know, like, okay... This could be bad. Yeah. Um, either they're not agreeing the direction the character's taking, or you know they're they're butting heads with the higher ups, and usually it's for a, a big reason enough to walk away from. I have no idea how much Sam Raimi made off this movie. It's it's got to be a lot of money though. So to walk away from that amount of money, you think it's got to be a got to be a pretty big reason to do so. So I was real worried, and then when I heard they cast or they uh, hired Sam Raimi to replace, mm-hmm. I was like, never mind, we're in good hands. <laughs> Because uh, Sam Raimi, a lot of people know him for the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man trilogy. Uh, but before Never that, <laughs> but before that, Sam Raimi really made his mark in the horror uh, film world, and more, and kind of more accurately in like bad horror like, films like camp, or like horror films like that are so horror, campy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Films that are kind of so campy that like you end up liking them. Uh, one of his, I think his second movie was Evil Dead, um, and then he basically remade Evil Dead with Evil Dead Two, <laughs> and then Army of Darkness. Which um, is that the first like horror comedy? Like, I know it's the first one I watched, yeah. and I think if you ask Sam Raimi, is this a horror comedy? He'd say no. This is a horror movie. Really? Uh, I think so. Um, but in uh, and his, but you could see kind of in Army of Darkness and, and those early early horror films, you can kind of see how comic books. Um, influenced his style, um, which is why it didn't really make sense for him to helm the Spider-Man franchise. But <laughs> once you saw it, you're like, oh, like I kind of get it. Um, some of his director trademarks I want to share with you guys. Um, if you've ever seen any Sam Raimi movies, and then definitely after seeing Doctor Strange too, uh, the smash zooms. He will very often zoom that camera in as fast and as hard as he can, and it's usually a close-up of a of the person's face. Um, horror tones. We talked about that a little bit earlier. And then I don't know what the correct term is. I call it a whip cut when you're you're changing the scene. You're trying to move to the next scene, and instead of 
you know, just cutting still camera to next still camera shot. He whips that camera around and then you, you just see a blur mm-hmm. and then it's the next scene. And he also does really strange and awkward fade-ins and fade-outs to get from <laughs> one scene to another. Kind of very Star Wars-esque yeah. where it looks like a PowerPoint like, like the presentation. White, the, the white cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he'll oftentimes like fade in a person's face over the background of the last shot. Yeah. And Interesting. I, and I think out of context, it makes no sense. But when uh, you get it from a comic book standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. So I think that those things kind of help uh, for what he does. Uh, And then in every Sam Raimi movie I'm aware of, the camera is going to take the point of view of a monster that is chasing (laughs) your hero (laughs) and then also cut back and forth to be the hero's perspective of the monster that's chasing him. And most of his movies, the bad guy is fighting either a version of themselves or someone that that person is very close to. That rings true in all of the Spider-Man movies. In the third one, he was fighting the Venom symbiote of himself. Um, and uh, in Army of Darkness and Evil Dead, the main antagonist ends up being like a... Well, first his girlfriend, but bef- actually before that, it was like a, another Bruce Campbell yeah. is the bad guy who like comes out of his shoulder or whatever. Uh, I don't know why that's a thing, but <laughs> it happens a lot in his movies. Um and then he does a bunch of really close-ups, usually a zoom, smash zoom to a close-up of the character's eyeballs yeah. and of clocks and watches, hmm. which you saw a lot in Doctor Strange. Yeah, I was going to say, everything you're describing, and I, I had kind of observed some of these. I didn't know all of them to be his trademark kind of things, but everything that he's got in his repertoire seems to really lend itself to the craziness of this movie, right? Like, Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's that's why I thought he was perfectly, yeah. uh, not cast as my word, but he was the perfect hire for this type of movie. I don't know if anybody else could have done it as well as him. My last two points, the final two trademarks of Sam Raimi are Bruce Campbell is always, always. in his movie, and it never makes sense. And number two, uh, the classic 1973 Oldsmobile is in yeah. almost every movie. I couldn't find it in Doctor Strange 2, uh, but I did find Bruce Campbell twice. It, and uh, that was plenty for me. There's, there's a lot I, of cars in here. Because uh, he, he, I think <laughs> I mainly... Anywhere. I knew him from Spider-Man before I knew him from Evil Dead. You introduced me to Evil Dead later on in our friendship. Um, but I, he also likes to throw cars around a lot. Just all the time. Fair. So yeah. there's very well might have been an Oldsmobile flying through the air. And I just didn't notice because there's there's cars always. There's a lot just like flying. On. Yeah. A, th- yeah. a thorough reading of IMDb's trivia page tells me that it is in there. So maybe on that second viewing okay. we all go to together, we'll be able to point it out. Nice. Um, but no, yeah. I agree with you. I think Sam Raimi was the perfect hire for this movie because not only is it... Well, I guess I, the biggest point is this is Marvel's first horror movie. Yeah. And if you weren't sure, like, was Marvel like really trying to go horror with this? The other director that Sam Raimi beat out was Mike Flanagan, who yeah. is my favorite horror director. Um, so they definitely, I can see why Scott Derrickson was like, yeah, I'm out, peace, the same yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and they let uh, Sam Raimi be Sam Raimi uh, in this movie. Uh, which the first note, you know, I guess we could do a, a little broad um, synopsis. Um, Before we move off of Sam Raimi, I do want to say, 
the note I wrote down leaving the theater because I'm not one of those anarchists who gets his phone out in the movies. All right, you guys suck. Get yeah. your phones away. Um, but I was jotting down notes as soon as the movie was over. Uh, one of the things I wrote down was several parts of this movie are reminiscent are reminiscent of Spider-Man and Evil Dead. It's like if Evil Dead and Spider-Man had a French film fever dream. <laughs> <laughs> My first note that I wrote of this movie was, this might be the most Sam Raimi movie Sam Raimi has ever Sam Raimi. And wow. that's nice. And that's saying That's something. basically what I meant when I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow, I like that. Um, I think, like, general feels for, for the movie, like, if you are unsure what you're going to get into going to the theater and mm. watching this, this is going to be a horror movie. Like, yeah, it's a Marvel movie, and it is a Marvel horror movie, so it's not going to be super gory. Like I mean there's there is blood or like oil for um some <laughs> yeah. of them. But uh it gets scary at points. There were legitimate moments where oh. yeah. both me and my wife were like oh my like hands over our eyes looking through our fingers because mm-hmm. it's scary. And then your sis- then your sister-in-law goes, "What's going to happen?" <laughs> <laughs> but it it's I think the fact that it's not like this R-rated horror movie allowed me to enjoy it a little bit better. Because normally when I watch a horror movie that I know nothing about, I kind of am nervous the whole time of like, when is the director going to draw the line of this is too much? And I, yeah. I trusted Marvel to know where that line was, so I didn't have to worry the whole time of going too far. And then it did get scary at points. So mm-hmm. if you're not ready for a horror movie, then, you know, you got to gear up. Yeah. That's, there were... Uh, four or five jump scares, and two of them got me real good, like <laughs> out of my seat, like oh my gosh, kind of reaction, um, which was cool. It's something very, very new for Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. Crawford, will you like give us a quick synopsis of the movie? Yeah, absolutely. Spoiler free. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll do my best. Uh, keep this high level. Um, just so you know, there is one little tiny baby spoiler. I'm gonna say just because you can't talk about this movie without mentioning it. If you've seen the trailer. It's kind of hinted at this, and they tell you like in the ninth minute of the movie. But Scarlet Witch has some bad intentions in this movie, guys. <laughs> mm. Yay! All right. Um, and you need to know that to talk about the rest of this movie. But uh, mainly this follows uh, a new character that's introduced to the Marvel Universe, America Chavez. Uh, she has the ability to traverse the multiverse. She's one of the only... She's the only person who can do it. Um, and... We open up and she is running uh, for her life through this myth- mystical little area, uh, and she's bebopping around the multiverse. And she comes upon Doctor Strange. Uh, Doctor Strange gets to help her uh, fight off some bad guys, and then. But it, it's clearly a different Doctor Strange than the one that we. Know. Well, yeah, but yeah, I'm not trying to say all of this, but uh, oh, okay. yeah, semantics. Yeah, yeah, but uh, America finds Doctor Strange. He helps her with some bad guys and finds out bad people are pursuing her. Uh, There's mysticism involved. uh, There's multiverse involved. There's reality involved. So, of course, we go to everybody's favorite New York space wizard. And he is going to help her uh, escape the bad people that are chasing her. Uh, Turns out it's Scarlet Witch. And shenanigans ensue as they start traversing the multiverse. Um, there's some great cutscenes in here, and as you might imagine, a movie that deals with alternate realities inside of a mega huge 
superhero franchise, there are Easter eggs and little cameos and nods to comic books and stuff abounding. Uh, it's very, very fun, and I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot of these in the second part of this episode. Um, but Doctor Strange and America have some growth moments, uh, personally, as they discover kind of their inner demons, why they do what they do, how they're controlling their powers, and uh, kind of their internal motivations as they also go to fight uh, the pursuer, uh, the the evil pursuer of them. Um I will say, well, no, I'll get into that in the later. Uh, I don't want to ruin anything. As far as non-spoiling goes, you did a really good job of yeah. summarizing it, the movie it's really without hard. giving too much away. Yeah, it's hard to yeah. say anything more without having some kind of spoilers. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, overall, it's a fun movie. Uh, I will say the pacing of this movie is very, very fast. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, they're going to different universes every nine minutes uh, you don't re- really don't have a lot of time for exposition there's just yeah. like a right. smash cut smash cut this is happening this is happening on to the next they really don't let you sit with anything um which i appreciate you know they're they're br- introducing some new characters um they're bringing in different versions of characters you've known and loved for a long time and unlike eternals they actually move the plot along um, <laughs> while doing it yeah <laughs> so you know it did it does seem a little bit like you have to uh kind of be breathing heavily the whole time to keep up with the pace oh, yeah. of how this movie's going uh, you don't have time to go to the bathroom in no this movie. no if absolutely you do, not. Too much. there is there yeah. is not a pee break in the middle of this movie plan accordingly yeah, uh, yeah. but uh and as kyle said bruce campbell's in the movie so that's an that's an automatic 10 point boost on imdb before we switch over to um the spoiler uh the spoiler section of the review um i wanted to ask you guys who was your favorite character in the movie and if it's a spoiler then just just say that you would like to hold that until the end uh because i thought elizabeth olsen stole the show Mm. from benedict cumberbatch which is very similar to uh, Pedro Pascal stealing the spotlight from Nick Cage nice. in a Nick Cage movie. Nice. Uh, I thought Elizabeth Olsen was so good. Um, you, she made you feel all the emotions to where almost to by the end of the movie you're like, I'm kind of with her on this. Like I, I get where she's coming from, <laughs> you know. And uh, I thought that she was great. Man, that is a tough question. Oof, Crawford, do you have an answer? I'm saving mine. Uh, for the second half of the show, because yeah, I have I enough. have like three yep. answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we can't talk about them here. <laughs> um, yeah, I- I'll probably have to do the same. What I what I love about the Doctor Strange, like the this movie and the first one, I feel like his storyline Marvel has set up multiple times that, like the whole like theme of the Doctor Strange world is it's not about you. Right, mm-hmm. they yeah. set that up in the first one really well, and I love that they continued that and kind of evolved that even more in this storyline. Um, so yeah. I would say my favorite character is also not Doctor Strange, which goes to show you how great this movie is because Benedict oh, yeah. Cumberbatch did a phenomenal job and he is super great in this movie. But yeah. I, I'm going to hold my favorite 
for the spoiler section as well. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, go ahead and press pause now. Get out and go watch the movie. Come back and enjoy the spoilery review of Doctor Strange Into the Multiverse of Madness. All right, welcome back to the very spoiled episode of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Now that all those other nerds are gone that didn't actually see the movie, I say nerds, we're the nerds, we saw it immediately. <laughs> Thank you, nerds, for being here. I love you. I'm sorry I almost besmirched your name. I didn't mean it. But oh my God, can we talk about how John Krasinski is Dr. Reed Richards? <laughs> You know, uh, of all of the wild, wild rumors that were swirling uh-huh. before this movie came out, I was like, please let that one be true. Nice. Please let yes. that one be yeah. true. Yeah. Ta- but him, then uh, Peggy Carter as, as yeah. Agent Carter, Captain yeah. Carter, that was great too. The entire Illuminati cast was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. And Kyle, you did such a good job. We, we went to um, hang out for Mother's Day, and you had seen the movie, and nobody else had. And then we started talking about, like, future of the Marvel series, and somebody brought up the Fantastic Four and John <laughs> Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic, and you were so stone-faced. I don't know how you. you did that. I was the uh, president of the Thespian Society <laughs> uh, in, in high school, so I, I, I went back to my He's shamanic, lying. Novu shamanic roots. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, uh, no, so I will say you first turned me on to this rumor uh, during WandaVision. Uh, when Paul Bettany oh, yeah. was rumored to have this big fight, you know, with a mm-hmm. the guest cameo, and oh, you can't believe mm-hmm. who it's going to be, and he was just trolling the world because it was actually himself. Um, but there was a lot of theories about it being John Krasinski as Reed Richards, and I was very excited about it. So I'm glad that the next time Scarlet Witch showed up, that it actually came true. Also, mm-hmm. Patrick yeah. Stewart as Doctor yeah. Charles yeah. Xavier in the comic book like wheelchair. In the, the yeah, floaty hug, yeah, yeah, almost more important than Patrick Stewart. Not more important, but almost <laughs> close yeah. to. Which actually, that brings up a, a really fun thing. I think Sam Raimi did um, when when uh, Wong or maybe America Chavez asked Doctor Strange, like, you know, who do you know that's a witch that can help us find figure out, you know, who's who's making this demon hunter? Yeah, who do you know with runes? And then it does, yeah. yeah. And then it does a little WandaVision uh, from the from the WandaVision theme song. Yeah. And he kind of like turns it as it goes. And then when Professor X is rolling in on his hover cart, it does the, uh, the X-Men theme song. Mm-hmm. Um, when Captain Carter grabs her shield, it gives you the, the first Avenger theme song, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was really, really cool and really nice um, little touches. And then when... <laughs> When Captain Carter gets sliced in half with her own shield, it is the first Avenger theme, but in like a minor and a really dark tone. Oh, I didn't catch that. Um, wow. Which I, yeah, I think it's a great, great use of different styles of music. Um, which is another one too, which I, we'll get to that later, I'm sure. But I think we should start off with all the cameos um, because that was the rumor going into this was like, man, it's going to be two hours and seven minutes of just straight cameos if everybody I've ever heard of is going to be in this movie. Mm-hmm. They're bringing back Jessica Alba. They're bringing back <laughs> uh, Hugh Jackman's going to be in it. Like, yeah. If you were on the internet for even five seconds, you saw rumors of somebody is reprising their role from 10, 15, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you guys feel about the ones that they did pick to put in the Illuminati uh, for this movie? I loved it. I, the, there were... How many were there? Five or six? Five. 
There's mm-hmm. five of them. Yeah, because it's Stewart. it's it's uh, Black Bolt, Baron Mordo, Professor Xavier. Oh no, I guess it's six. Uh, then it's Peggy Carter, uh, Captain Marvel, Captain and Marvel. Reed Richards. Reed Richards. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I mean, just an all-star cast. Like that was so fun. And then I, I don't know what was more, like, impactful for me seeing them all on screen in the MC universe or seeing them all get killed ruthlessly in front of my yeah. eyes. When she, like, untangled Dr. Uh, or Doctor Reed Richards, Reed I Richards. was like, ah, uh, I'm sorry. I don't, I'll yeah. never be the same human again. <laughs> Too I'm soon. different now. <laughs> so the guy who wrote this movie, his name is Michael Waldron. Um, he is also, the really only thing he did before um, Loki and this movie yeah. was uh, Rick and Morty. Um, he was a lead writer in Rick and Morty for a couple of years. So someone who has that weird, brash, really in-your-face sense of humor, but also has dealt a lot with t- weird timelines and yeah. time travel and, and multiverse travel and stuff. Um, he, I read, I read a, in an interview, he said, my goal was to, at the end of the Illuminati scene, for you to be terrified of Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet Witch. And if that was the goal, he nailed yeah, it. Because succeeded. I... Yes, when they introduced the Illuminati, first off, I lost it when John Krasinski showed up. I was like, "Yeah, she's here. Yeah, we did it." Um, but then when they like go down to face her, I was like, "Ah, like you know, I'm kind of really enjoying this. The pacing of this movie it's going really well. Like, I kind of don't want to be bogged down by like a 15 minute CGI, you know, battle between all these super powered people. Like, kind of just get to it. Shouldn't have worried because." She made she, Short she work. with them very quickly. Yeah. Yes, the setting um, the tone of her... how Black Bolt died is uh, yeah. Yes, just, yep. uh, I was yep. like, oh no, yeah, yeah, that was incredible. Because everybody um, was thinking in that scene, like, how is how is she gonna overpower Black Bolt? Like, he is the most powerful. What it... Took his mouth away. Yeah, unbelievable. And then I was like, okay, so like maybe you know, she's gonna like witchcraft her way out of here, and like it's all an illusion. And then his head blows up, and you're like, "Oh, they just killed, they just killed Black Bolt." Okay, and then three seconds later, John Krasinski is spaghetti, and his head blows up. Yeah. <laughs> and then two minutes later, Captain Carter's shield goes all the way through her, and he did the classic Sam Raimi zoom smash yeah. up to her face, which is the exact same shot as in Spider-Man when the Green Goblin gets the glider propelled through him it is the same smash zoom of uh oh yeah um and then you just see the bloody shield on the wall behind it i was man so sam raimi and so so good um but maybe the most good honestly when mr fantastic was shredded i was like oh but but maybe they could piece him back together like maybe he's okay and then his head pops i'm like okay so that was just over the top like you didn't need to take John Krasinski from me that quick in that fashion. <laughs> that just seemed mean. Uh, I will say it's good to know that Captain Marvel is both annoying and stupid in every universe. So that's good. Fair. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Also, um, which... the, the cutscene where uh, Dr. Xavier shows Dr. Strange like Black yeah. Bolt killing other him was the yeah, most yeah. emotional part of this movie for me. <laughs> it was oh, like yeah, nine was seconds, really and I was like, oh, I'm going to cry. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that he kills him yeah. with the phrase, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, 
Mm-hmm. And, and he's sitting there, you can tell, like, in that one moment, this other Doctor Strange has fully come to grips with, like, what he did and how wrong he was. There's the dead body of Thanos over here, and this group that he created of all his friends to protect the universe has to kill him, and he, like, has come to terms mm-hmm. with it. And I was like, oh, no. If only every <laughs> Doctor Strange had this kind of emotional empathy and, like, level of discernment. Yeah. Well, in the... Uh... The 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 quips throughout this movie. Doctor Strange, he's always been uh, pretty quippy and, and very funny, very sarcastic because he's very smart. Uh, but he has a couple at Black Bolt when Captain Marvel says, "Are you not taking this seriously?" He said, "Well, that guy's got a fork on his head, so no, I'm not <laughs> yeah. taking it seriously." It's like this is Reed Richards from the Fantastic Four. And he goes, "Oh, didn't you guys chart in the '70s?" Like he had some pretty good one-liners mm-hmm. throughout. I thought that scene though really made the movie for me. Because once that scene was over, I'm like, all right, I'm strapped yeah. in. Like, take me wherever you want to go. This is just fun. Yeah. Um, and the jump scare that takes place when they are underneath the water tunnel mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Uh, and they Wanda's behind the door. And it zooms up on everybody's face. And then it finally America Chavez is like, is she gone? And then all of a sudden, smash, yeah. she's right there. That one got me bad. Yeah. Uh, but also the one where she snaps Professor X's neck. Oh. That also got me pretty oh. pretty bad too. In in that scene you're talking about in the underwater tunnel, horror movie logic kicked in for me, and I was like, "Why the hell mm-hmm. are you stopping? <laughs> Keep oh, running yeah. down the Keep hallway." Running. And at some point, stop hitting the button that closes the blast door because, like, she's just walking through. Yeah. And, like, maybe put all that energy into running. Which brings me to another point. I don't know if you guys noticed or not, but I thought Benedict Cumberbatch has pretty impeccable running form. The movie starts off with him just chucking it down that. Uh, down that little highway of like columns that are floating in mm-hmm. the air, and then he does a lot of running in the tunnel, kind of throughout. I'm like, yeah, he's he's those, they're high and tight. He's uh, he's, he's talking it. Speaking of running form and amazing forty speed, can we talk about how Scarlet Witch with a busted up leg, who's like bloodily mm-hmm. limping down this hallway, is not only keeping yeah. pace but gaining ground on three grown, very yeah. fit, apparently good form <laughs> running humans, superheroes. I should be clear. yeah. Uh, Which, that was the great Sam Raimi part of her looking like a zombie yeah. covered in oil and blood and limping with glass in her. Like, that was so Sam Raimi. It was so good. Yeah. And, like, the fact, like, they she you, she walks through, like, seven of the gates that get shut down on her. And then the last one, she doesn't walk through it. And my immediate yeah. thought was, oh, that's so much scarier. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's so much scarier. Well, and then I think that they really kick off that horror tone. There's some elements of it when um, Doctor Strange and Wanda first meet in the movie. But they really tap into the horror tone and dive into it when Doctor Strange has her trapped in what I assume was the mirror dimension or something. I don't really know. Yeah. And she starts coming through all the reflections. Yeah. Her coming out of the yeah. uh, gong thing and her body was all messed up yeah. and she had like kind of cracked everything back in place. Like, Malevolent that's style. a classic Sam Raimi trope. Yeah. And it was, it, it, that that moment I was like, I'm not ready for this. Like, I, I'm not mentally prepared for the movie that yeah. I'm about to see. Um, but I do want to get back to uh, that first scene with Doctor Strange and Wanda when they meet at what we think is her home that she left yeah. Uh, that we last saw her in at the end of WandaVision, um, where at the end of WandaVision, she is, um, she is, I think it's astral projected herself into like cleaning the dishes or doing like housework. And then like you, the camera zooms out and you see that she is actually reading the Darkhold. 
um, while while doing that. So you kind of at the end of WandaVision like, uh-oh, she's into some bad stuff. And then this movie, first time you see Wanda, she's cutting apple tree blossoms or something and talking to Dr. Strange and Dr. Strange asking for help. And uh, he says, you know, there's a girl, somebody's after her, you know, she's at Comitage, can you help? And she goes, why don't you just bring America here? And I perked up at that moment. I went, mm-hmm. oh, no. And you can kind of see Dr. Strange starts walking a little bit slower. And then you can kind of, like, he does a really good job in that moment yeah. of showing, like, oh, I messed up. Like, you're the bad guy. Um, I thought that scene was so, so good by both of them. Their performances were great. Um, and, and at one point, uh, Dr. Strange says, your kids aren't real. You created them with magic. And Elizabeth Olsen says, isn't that what all mothers do? <laughs> and I was like, dude, man. Like, that really yeah. put it in perspective for me. Like, lots of times with Marvel villains, they're just kind of evil from evil land and do evil bad things. <laughs> you can totally get where this bad guy's coming from and why they're fighting so hard to do what they're trying to do. Yeah. Uh, I have a couple of things, and I will jump back to this later, I'm sure. But I did. The irony was not lost on me that uh, the weekend of Mother's Day, a Marvel movie came oh, out. Oh, yeah. And it was like a scary magic movie. But at the end of the day, the thing that truly saved it was a mother's love. Mm-hmm. was one mother looking at another almost but not really a mother and like being like know that they're loved and she was like that's it that's all I needed all I needed was a mother's love didn't matter about how many multiverses we had to go to didn't matter about how many people had to die mm-hmm. a mother's love saved the day on mother's day <laughs> I like that that's good but also I think they did a little thank you for smokingism when uh... Wong asks her after she's already found the temple of whatever and he says why couldn't you just manipulate America Chavez to put you in the reality you know where there's kids and she said what if they get sick They're, what if I can go to a different universe and find a cure for what they have um, and that was a thank you for smokingism or just that line you've got to put in there to kind yeah. of you know move the plot along but that's actually really touching mm. and like I got a mom like that I've got a mom that will burn down everyone else's home around them to help their child, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I get it. Um, I just thought that was probably the best villain Marvel's come out with. I think is pr- probably. It, it speaks volumes to that. You mentioned earlier how Elizabeth Olsen may have stole the show from Benedict Cumberbatch because a lot of this movie relies on you to believe that Scarlet Witch has gone crazy. Like, she's gone off the deep end. There's no reasoning with her. She is going to destroy multiverses in order to get to her kids. And it's it's very believable. Elizabeth Olsen does a phenomenal job of both. Like, I feel like she has to do two very, very difficult things in acting, which is crazy mom that is believable and then also magic hands at the same time. Yeah. And I, it, it just, just speaks volume to how talented she is. Yeah, it's really hard to be scary while like CGIing this. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's got to be weird for everybody else. Um, Kyle, I will say earlier on you mentioned you wanted to go back to that first scene, and then you talked about uh, I think scene like four of the movie. Uh, when I think first scene, I, I mean I'm discounting Doctor Strange in America running through um, the. So scene two. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to scene two here. If you're going to be an asshole to me, <laughs> I'm scene selection. I will be one back to yeah, you. Yeah, so I'm going to scene two here. Um, Sam Raimi can't help himself but keep remaking Spider-Man fight scenes. Uh, 
Here are some things that happened. Cars were picked up by a monster with tentacles and were flung at the hero as he's trying to protect, like, the damsel. Are you talking about scene four? You feel good about yourself? I do, All actually, right. yeah. I do. Proud I, 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 I enjoy making this podcast with you guys. Let's be friends. So in the fight scene where the giant monster is attacking America Chavez, where she's now in our Doctor Strange's 616 universe, um, there's a giant monster with tentacles that is picking up cars and buses and throwing them at the superheroes and the damsel in distress, quote-unquote. Um, which is very reminiscent of like Spider-Man 2, right? Doc Ock picking up the car and throwing it through the... Um, cafe and he like sees it at the last second kind of a thing uh then uh america somehow like gets on top i think it's with the cape gets on top of a ledge of a new york building uh very reminiscent of spider-man 3 uh when i think it's gwen right is like on top of the ledge and it's like falling and she's like on the and she's like oh no i'm gonna fall uh as uh as the monster's trying to go get him and that i was like oh that's like the same shot over there. And then right when you're like, oh, well, of course, Doctor Strange is going to do some magic. He's probably going to, you know, cut the monster in half or, you know, do something mm-hmm. like send it into a different dimension. Uh, instead, he makes a magic chain that he throws from his hand to attach to the monster to try to crawl up it. Very similar to yeah. a web slinger. And it's like, that's what you got? You had the entire mystic arts at your disposal, and you went, oh, I'm just going to... I guess he spent a lot of time with Spider-Man recently in the last movie, so he's like, I don't know, I got Spider-Man on the brain. Uh, Mm, The kid does this all the time, so I'll do the same thing. Uh, But yeah, I couldn't stop uh, thinking, like, why are we doing Spider-Man again? Spider-Man with magic hands. But going back to the first scene of the movie, um, when they're running through the book of ashanti or yeah the book of ashanti turned out to be real important by the way (laughs) real glad that we spent an hour and a half going oh we got to get the book and they're like nah fuck that book (laughs) mcguffin yeah sorry i misspoke mcguffin that book i have an observation why does a universe that actually knows about the multiverse decide that they're gonna put their universe in the 800s if yeah. you if you know about multiverse travel, you're number one. You 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 yeah. make yourself number one. That is, there is no ifs ands so, or buts about that. To that same scene when Rachel McAdams says, "I'm a member of the Baxter Foundation," I perked up in my chair. I was like, "The Baxter Foundation? Mm-hmm. Like, they can't be talking about the Fantastic Four Baxter." And uh, then they totally were. Mm-hmm. Did you guys catch that reference, mm-hmm. or did like did that alert you to something coming? It's like mm-hmm. she mispronounced Oscorp in my head. <laughs> right. So it's been long speculated that ever since Tony Stark sold that the big tower. building in New York, the tower, yeah, it's been long speculated that he's either sold it to Oscorp or to the Baxter Foundation, which would give you, you know, it, which, figuring out which one would definitely tell you which direction the MCU is headed if it's going to be very Spider-Man heavy or if it's going to be very not Spider-Man heavy. Although Fantastic Four does have lots of ties with Spider-Man as well. But I think I do want to get at the end of this podcast, I do want to go and talk about where everybody thinks this, the MCU is going now based on this, but them introducing Reed Richards and the Baxter Foundation does open up a lot of really great possibilities. First off, 
can we all agree that we really, really, really hope that John Krasinski is Earth 616's Mr. Fantastic uh, going forward? Yes, has to be. The, the fact that other than Captain Marvel, all the other iterations of the characters were played by the same actors, right? Like, Patrick Stewart's been the next men Black mm-hmm. Bolt was played by uh, Ansem or, Cap- or Captain America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they were all characters you've seen before, though, besides him, yes. Right, that, that is true. But I, that makes me believe, at least, that there will be a John Krasinski in the MCU moving forward. I, I believe, yeah, I that, believe that, the, that was them revealing who... There, there's really hope there's so. a John Krasinski in 616 that dreams of uh, being turned into ribbons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Well, yeah. the, uh, the John Watts, who directed the Spider-Man Homecoming trilogy, he just, like, two weeks ago announced he was no longer going to direct the Fantastic Four movie. And I was really bummed when I heard that because I thought he'd do a great job mm. uh, putting his spin on a family. Uh, after seeing what he did with Spider-Man yeah. No Way Home, handling a family dynamic, I thought would be really cool from him. But now I'm thinking, now that we know John Krasinski's Reed Richards, he probably is going to direct it too because he's directed quite a few things. So I'm, a, I'm hoping that, that everything's pointing to him directing yeah. and starring in it. Who would be all like Dreamcast for Sue and the Human Torch? And I don't really think the Rock guy counts the thing, but Sue and Reed Richard or Sue and uh, Johnny, do you guys have a, a fan cast for those? Got to be Emily Blunt, right? That's the easy one, yeah. right? That's the easy That's connection, just... yeah. I feel like that's almost too. I'd be for Zach Efron as Human Torch. Yeah. I think he'd kill yeah. it. Yeah, I could. I could be down for that. Uh, I think it'd be really funny for The Rock to play the thing, just <laughs> for the namesake. Um, mm-hmm. I also think mm-hmm. he does a, a great job of being a voice actor. Um, yeah. So. So I'm really hoping that that one that Earth Six One Six is about to discover Reed Richards. Or whatever, he's going to teleport from wherever he's at to wherever he's wherever, 616 now. This brings up a question for me that I want to throw to my more Marvel fans. You are my Marvel knowledge base, database. I was led to believe that the MCU was not Earth 616. Are they retconning or are they just finally revealing that no, the Earth in the MCU movies are is the same universe as the canon earth in the comic books yeah i don't know i i think this is definitely the first time anybody's ever said earth 616 yeah. um, other than it's, uh mysterio in spider-man 2 far from home yeah did did he label it 616 yeah he it was like an easter egg that he says 616 really? yeah which i think is really interesting because i'm not sure if they had planned that, that makes me... No, see, that's a total Sony thing. Hey, let's just throw this into the wind and see if it sticks. You was know, that's... Far From Home Sony or was that Marvel? It was the co- collaboration. Sony. Oh. So it's associated with Marvel, but it's wow. Sony doing the whole thing. Yeah. I had no idea. I'm going to have to sit with this thought. Okay, continue with your with your thing. <laughs> yeah, um, oh, uh, any other like big scenes that y'all really wanted to talk about in the movie? Because um, I, I want to talk about... You know, we all loved this movie, I'm assuming, right? Um, this, for me, I think this cracked my top ten. I think this is number seven of my MCU list of wow. uh, my favorite Marvel movies. Uh, it's right behind Thor Ragnarok, which I think is at six. Um, but it had a great villain. It was a great story. It was so goddamn fun. There were great cameos that didn't take away from the movie. It really bolstered it. Mm-hmm. And it they were all basically there to make you go, 
oh no, Wanda's a, a bad MFer and like <laughs> we need to be afraid. And they did a great job on that. Um, the final battle, I think, is the only place where this movie lacked a little bit. It was, it was still fine. It was still good. There's been worse final battles in the MCU for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but Wanda did the only plausible way it ended was Wanda realizing I have to end yeah. it. Um, there was no plausible universe where Doctor Strange could beat her. Or if if they did, if they did somehow figure it out, it would have been it would have been a really dumb plot point of oh I found this magical book like we were talking about earlier like oh this will help me beat her like that wouldn't have worked story wise yeah. so I was really glad that they they did the right thing there with with the way it ended it just was not as cool as the rest of the movie so that's the only downside I thought from the movie was mm-hmm. just the final battle was what it was it wasn't the best final battle in the MCU if we're going to talk about um, things we disliked um which I, I I did really thoroughly enjoy this movie. I would put it in my top ten as well. I really wanted to put it in my top five, but I just don't know if I can do it, guys. I just don't know. Yeah. There's just such... I'm going to have to sit with it and maybe watch it again before I can do that. Um, but I think there are two issues that I have with this movie, and I don't think either of them, either of them are this movie's fault. I think it's just kind of the way movies are made these days. The main one is that you introduce the Scarlet Witch who's supposed to be one of the most powerful superheroes in the whole universe, like all of the multiverse. Like, mm-hmm. it's Scarlet Witch, sometimes it's Ultron. I mean, Thanos was a really great one. But she's supposed to be like a Thanos-level villain, in my head, at least powerful enough. But she only gets one movie. And that kind of upsets me, because we've set this precedent for, like, this level villain got three phases of the MCU universe and then we've spent only two hours with Scarlet Witch as the big bad Mm. and I think that this movie does a great job treating her with the respect she deserves in that fashion but when you zoom out to 27 movies it's like she's only there for one and I think that is kind of the downside to having 30 movies worth of canon She you does have a fun. She was pretty much the bad guy in WandaVision too. Yeah, I was gonna say right. she does. You don't have to squint too. She hard. does have a uh, fun arc where she starts as like a mini boss, then she becomes mm. a hero, then she becomes mm-hmm. a bad guy again, but like an understandable bad guy, and then she becomes like super villain. And you're like, whoa, we took mm. an interesting turn here. So when yeah. viewed on that spectrum, she got like six movies to become <laughs> yeah. the super bad. And she's also, I'm 98% sure she's signed up for a solo movie in like 2027 or something like that. So I don't think we've seen the last of her, even though she did pull the temple down yeah. on top of herself. So Okay, well, fair enough. I doubt it's the last time we've seen Scarlet Witch. Yeah, all right, I like that. And then my other thing is, uh, America Chavez was a fun character, but mm-hmm. her, her superpower of jumping between multiverses is kind of more of a plot device than really oh, yeah. a useful interesting superhero like she punches wanda a couple times at the end of the movie but they haven't really set her up as like a really great fighter um i like that she got her you know growth moments throughout the movie and i'm excited to see what they can do with her but pivoting the whole movie around that concept like i i understand why you had to do that but i don't think it's super interesting like you said for the final battle is kind of where it kind of loses steam a little bit Interesting tidbit. Originally, this movie was supposed to come out before 
No Way Home. And America Chavez was going to be the character that Ned ends up being, who's like the, the sorcerer who's learning how to be a sorcerer. And that was going to be how they got, you know, in and out of where they needed to go. Whereas in Spider-Man No Way Home, it was just a throwaway line where Ned was like, my grandma says we have magic in our blood <laughs> and my hands tingle sometimes. Um, but I think that's really cool. That shows you Marvel can pivot yeah. so quick and so well. Um, even if that line does kind of suck. Um, th- you guys had this movie a lot higher than I did. Um, you also don't like horror movies at all, so that's that's why I didn't think you'd like it. That is not why I didn't like it. Interesting. Oh, really? Interesting. Um, Wait, you didn't like it? I let me rephrase before uh, we get too far off the wheels here. I did like it. I don't think it was top 10 for me. It might have cracked the top 10, but it, I'll have to really think deeply about it. Uh, I think it's in the top 15, and that's that's like without question for me. But um, Admirable. For, for you to say that it hit your top 7 uh, surprised me, because I thought this was a good movie, a fun movie, full of lots of cameos, full of lots of like things to geek out and nerd out about, uh, but I didn't think it was a great movie. Um, oh man yeah part of that to me went back to the pacing it was just like ba-bam 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 I feel like I didn't get to sit with anything and actually like enjoy it and digest it Uh, Hmm. maybe that's me you know maybe I'm just maybe I wasn't ready for the goodness that this movie had to offer (laughs) Um, but it did seem sorry this was their first stab at the multiverse and I think they did a really great job I did too going deep but I think if they had tried to go any shallower you wouldn't really have gotten much of the multiverse like the what they're going to do with the multiverse and setting it up for the future and if they had tried to go any further they kind of you would have gotten even more lost and it wouldn't have really made sense coherently as a story i think it was a really phenomenal first entry into multiverse and interactions and setting the precedent going forward so i was thoroughly impressed with how this movie set up the multiverse i thought that's what it was set out to do and it was great uh, there was one moment that we haven't touched on, and uh, it was another, in my mind, great directing decision by Sam Raimi, but um, I think it's when, I can't remember the exact moment in the movie, it might have been scene four, but it's when Scarlet Witch uh, actually like looks down the barrel of the camera and breaks the fourth wall, and like, like makes lens. eye contact with me in the movie theater. And I, I almost pissed my pants. I was so scared. I was like, oh no, she knows I'm here. Like, <laughs> it was a terrifying moment. Because um, I, yeah. I, oh, it's when she's dreamwalking and she takes over the other Wanda. That's what it was. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she's like doing kind of the flashing back and forth. Sam Raimi does the little bit of the spin with the camera. And she follows mm-hmm. like the eyeliner around the room. And then she just stares at you. And kind of smirks. And you're like, oh no! She's everywhere! (laughs) I think we didn't hit on Sam Raimi's uh, camera movement very much. We talked about how he does the zoom smashes and all that stuff. But he did it with Wanda a couple times. When she wakes up from her dream and the camera is tilted and then as she gets out of bed, it slowly steadies itself. And then at the end of the movie, when she's on her knees and she's like talking to her kids... And then it flashes uh, to the other multiverse where she 
is just by herself, and then it cuts back and forth as the camera's like slowly tilting back to uh to flush. Like that is really really cool, and it could be super super campy, and it wasn't. It was done. I I think I think in, man, this is a great movie. I loved it so much. Uh, Hit every note for the, me. The other thing I wanted to touch on uh, the scene that I didn't think I didn't love, uh, but I thought was kind of funny was. I laughed out loud at Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange having a music fight. Nah. Yes. I yeah. thought that was... How much fun should that have been for the composer to yeah. to write yeah. the music for that? That would have been blast. Yeah. It felt like a little Fantasia in yes. the middle of this mm-hmm. Doctor Strange movie. It, it just... It kind of took me out of it for a second where I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> the two like Sorcerer Supremes of different universes... One of whom has the dark dark home is like they're fighting each other with music notes, and the thing that yeah. swayed the battle was one note of a harp. Like, come on, guys. Which, but I think I think though that's genius because, like we talked about a couple weeks back with Secrets of Dumbledore and Harry Potter stuff, like a lot of the times and most of the time, the big battle is just green lightning hitting magical red lightning, yeah. and then one of them ends up overpowering the other one in the end. And they could have done that very easily with Doctor Strange and with Wanda all the times too. They did it with, but instead they did it when they got to the Book of Ashanti. He goes, mm-hmm. he yes, goes, very he goes, help me, book, and he doesn't even read it. He just like holds out his hand and does like a Kamehameha wave, like of yellow light, <laughs> and then she does a red light, and then red light wins. Sorry. Yeah, well, but so you could have done that multiple times, and I think the director deciding, let's put a different spin on this. What would be? What have you never seen before? Yeah. And I thought that was really cool, man. I thought it was really ingenious, really. And then, because it's so much fun with the music, too. And the director got to put, or the composer got to put a fun spin. I think it was Danny Elfman who did Spider-Man as well. Um, but the uh, Clea showing up at the yeah. end, played by Charlize Theron, however you say her name, in the comics, she is some sort of relative of Dormammu, yeah. um, who has come to bargain, and he is now <laughs> you know somewhere else, not on Earth. And... Uh, and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure she said, we've got to go something about the incursions. Yeah. Is that, was that kind of the, I was geeking out because when she cut open a hole, like it was the dark realm yeah. or whatever. And I was like, oh yeah, let's do With it. With her halo laser um, sword. Yes, yes. It was, she said something about, we've got to stop incursions gonna, or something, right? I think she was implying that they're going to fix the incursion. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So this leads me to what I think the MCU is going to. We talked about the multiverse throughout. How about Drew Allen? You said earlier, like this is a great introduction to the multiverse. I think all signs are pointing towards this leading to Secret Wars mm. as Ooh. the next big movie, next Infinity War slash Endgame kind of deal, the next Thanos. Um, and for the casual listener, comic book reader, or MCU fan, Secret Wars is one of the coolest comic book runs because it deals with incursions. Um, where universes are colliding on each other and the superheroes, the heroes of each universe end up fighting each other to figure out who is basically going to remain on that planet and who's going to win, which planet's going to survive, basically. Um, So I really hope that that is what they're doing because if we thought the cameos in Spider-Man No Way Home and Doctor Strange 2 were fun, imagine what Marvel will be able to do with a cosmic scale where hundreds of planets are incursioning upon each other and you get to see Captain America again and or Iron Man again or a different 
variant of those two. Um, I just think that would be so much fun. It would be too fun for them not to do. Um, and it may be too expensive for them to do, though. Yeah. Even though Mar- Marvel and Disney have billions of dollars, like I don't know what it costs to get Chris Evans or Robert Downey Jr. back on a film set, but I bet it's a lot. Almost as much as Tom Cruise, apparently. But yeah. I, I love that idea. And for like future thoughts of where we're going, uh, we haven't touched quite on the demonology that they brought into this movie, but I was really waiting for a Mephisto or a some more uh, not not necessarily ghost rider but like i was ready for a cameo at the end of mephisto showing up and i don't know if that's just wandavision you know speculation mm-hmm. boiling back up but uh do y'all want to touch on any of that like the demon side of this magic movie i think the biggest doctor i'm that was not a doctor strange comic book fan at all the only one i really knew besides mephisto which was because of um the House of M uh, comics yeah. was Nightmare. And I don't really remember what Nightmare does. Um, I just know that they said Nightmare at least twice in this movie. Mm. And I don't know if that's an Easter egg or not. Sounds... Or if that's just people using words and all of us <laughs> looking into words. You know, Sounds like an El Muerto level villain. Yeah. <laughs> when, uh, when you mention House of M, that's immediately what I thought of when Professor X showed up. I was like, oh, yeah. Professor X is going to like, keep Wanda sedated, like keep her in her own world so that like the other people can try to figure out a way to do this. We're going to go straight house of them on it. And then, uh, nope, he did. <laughs> well, so going off of that too, the end of house of him or maybe it's a comic book run after it turns out that the person who had mind controlled Wanda to say no more mutants and kill all the mutants was actually Victor Von Doom since we've already introduced the Baxter Foundation and Reed Richards and hopefully the Fantastic Four soon, I'm really, really hoping we get a Victor Von Doom too because he is by far my favorite comic book villain from the TV shows, cartoon shows, and the, in the comic books. He is by far the coolest and he's been done so yeah. poorly on screen <laughs> up to this point. It's so hard to translate his character to the screen because he's a giant metal yeah. man and you're like, I don't... Yeah. I mean, we did it with Iron Man, but it was different. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It and I don't know. I don't know how they're gonna do it, but I I do think that's on the horizon. I think we're getting like I think all of this multiverse stuff is pushing us to Secret Wars, and I'm hoping John Krasinski is getting us into Fantastic Four, and I'm really hoping Doctor Doom is yeah, on the horizon somewhere. so that he can man. fight uh, the uh, Lex Luthor and the Man in the Iron Mask. That's what this movie's done. Is it opens up the world for the X Men yep, yep. and for the Inhumans. We, wow. we literally saw yeah. two characters from different types of superhero worlds into one movie with zero explanation <laughs> of how they got there, um, which makes me think in you know, uh, the Miss Marvel TV show is coming out in a couple months, I think, and they've changed her powers because originally she was an Inhuman, but we haven't introduced Inhumans yet, so they're going to make her not an Inhuman, something else, mm. um, which the Inhumans got like... Three episodes on an ABC TV show before they got canceled, so yeah. it's probably for yeah. The best. When that got canceled, just scrap that all I got really excited when I saw that it was coming out. When it got canceled, I got nervous. I was like, "Oh man, we're never gonna get the Inhumans again." What a bummer! Mm-hmm. And then Black Bolt, yeah, uh-huh. and then Black Bolt, which honestly he's like a really tough character to like have around yeah. in a big cinematic universe because he can kill anybody pretty easily. Yeah. So I really hope that he stays dead, yeah. and does not come back, and I kind of hope they scrap the whole Inhumans thing. Yeah. But for love of Pete, give us X-Men at some point in time, you know? Let's yeah. let's get there. Uh, but I think that'll be really, really cool. I'm, I'm really excited. I know it's shocking 
to you guys that I'm excited about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and where it's going next. But I've uh, I really enjoyed that movie and where I think it's headed. Two things real quick. One, apparently there was a bunch of reshoots and the reshoots were after the success of No Way Home, they wanted Sam Raimi to put in more cameos. Um, so I'd be really excited to know which of those cameos weren't in the original yeah. uh, in the original movie. Uh, Dr. Xavier is the only one I could think that even remotely works as somebody that you could have put in later on. Uh, but I'd like to know. And then secondly, um, man... It wouldn't have been a Sam Raimi movie without a Bruce Campbell cameo. Yeah. yeah. As the, hey, Dr. Strange, you, you stole that suit. What are you, what are you doing? It's so like, weird. So stupid. Yeah. But it was great. And, I, and then to him. We, we mentioned one of the, the mid credit scene um, with Cleo. Was that her name? Mm-hmm. Cleo. Cleo. So that, you know, if you're a big Marvel fan, you can sit and stay for the mid credit scene. It's kind of interesting. The after credit scene, not worth your time. Just... No, I thought it was so Pop great. On it out was of the so theater. Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell. He just goes, "The movie's over." Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we had one guy in our in our theater stand up and go, "Well, that serves us right, bunch of nerds on a Monday watching <laughs> Doctor Strange." Waste of time. Yeah. And if you loved Doctor Strange too as well, please hit us up at ntpodpodcast at gmail or on Twitter at ntpodpodcast. Thanks for listening. This is not the podcast you deserve.